0: seated boy we have a powerful uh life testimony today and i don't even want to steal any of his thunder because <laughs> i don't want to mess up your story so uh give a big hand and open your heart to receive from mauricio rodriguez this morning you. Are you on? yep i'm on can you hear me can you all hear me Hello. Good morning. Don't. Why are you all so serious? Can I get some smile? We we were just singing to our creator. I, you know. Thank you, Pastor Walter and Michelle, for the invite. It is good to be with you guys. It's my first time here, and I love it. I love that. Um, anytime I get the opportunity to be able to share of God's goodness and what He's done in my life, I am praying this morning that as I share. The Lord would minister to your hearts because I don't know where you are today. But let me tell you, there's one thing I can say before I even begin is that he is a good God with a good plan. And every moment that I get to wake up, I get a smile on my face because it doesn't matter what the circumstance looks like. The fact that you're breathing today, that should be enough. And so I like to see smiles when I come up. I don't like to see serious faces because I always tell people, like we get excited about the, the sports, we get excited about all these different things, and we call you know the Disneyland the happiest place on earth. And I think every Sunday, as we come to church and as we go into His presence, that should be the happiest place for us, uh, being able to come together um, and worship Him and being able to just. Uh, strengthen each other and and share what God's doing in our lives because there's so much. I mean, in the midst of uh, pain and in the midst of chaos in this world, we have a hope that this world needs to see. And if we don't have it, uh, we need to ask ourselves why. And so as I begin, uh, I'd like us to pray um, just to prepare our hearts for what God wants to speak to us today. Uh, So thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you that it is a privilege and an honor to come into your presence. Father, we ask that uh, let it be your love, your love that is so wide, that is so deep, that would penetrate the hearts of each person in this place today. Lord, I open myself to be your vessel today. Will you speak through me? Let it be your word that would transform our hearts and our lives forever. In your name we pray. Amen. amen and so as I was sharing you know we come to church we sing the songs we pray the prayers we know these things we we read this and we get filled with all the promises that are found in this book and we get excited and then there's parts that we just go oh that part I don't like and so i uh will ignore that part but what what it really is is this book is filled with promises for us. This book is filled with story after story of men and women that God chose for a specific assignment. They weren't perfect. You could see their mistakes. We're supposed to learn from them. Sometimes we repeat them, but what's so awesome about God is that in the midst of it all, he cleans up our messes over and over and over. He gives us a specific instruction But then he gives us that free will where he says, here you go. Will you choose to live the story that I've written for you? Will you begin writing your own story? And uh, the way I see it is every day that I get to wake up, he flips the pages of my story. And although some of you may be wondering, where, where, where am I going with? But you have to understand that David understood. And I loved how David viewed God's word when he says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I don't know about you guys, but sweeter than honey. This is what this book should be. I I don't know if you can tell, but I, there is a chubby kid inside of me that lives. I was that child that would ask for dessert before every meal. I still do. And so when I read this, that This book is supposed to be sweeter than honey to my mouth. I should be desiring this. We should be desiring it. This should be the first place we go to before you seek your pastor, before you go into asking. We live in a world where everybody has an opinion and they're going to give it to you. But if you don't get to that place where you go, God, I want to hear from you. I want your truth because right in here are the answers to all my questions. But then David continues and he says, his word is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. So this should be what should be guiding every move that we make. And this should not lead us to dead ends. His promises are true. Until this becomes real to you, then your life, listen to me, your life will become evidence of his goodness when this becomes real to you. In the middle of any crisis, in the middle of any doctor results, in the middle of whatever it is that you're facing, this book and the relationship you have with him, it doesn't matter how discipled you become, it doesn't matter how much head knowledge you have, What matters is when the circumstance comes your way, will your response be a byproduct of you being intimate one with him? Because you can know it here, but until it becomes real to you, then when your life flips and I'm setting this up because I'm, I'm, I'm not sharing you something I haven't had to live. I grew up in church. I knew all the stories. I knew about David. I knew about Moses. I knew about all these men and I knew about Esther and all these men and women that God chose and did some great things with. And Ephesians one, can we turn to that? Ephesians one, three to six says, oh man, with all these men and all these women that God gave a specific assignment to comes Ephesians one, three to six. according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Lots of words. But when you get a hold of the promise that's in here, you understand this is it. Every man, every woman, every child, including us. He predestined us to be his. He chose us before the foundation of this world. He predestined us to be His. He made us already accepted. You don't have to fight to be loved. You're already loved by Him. That should become something so real to you that anything that comes your way, you go back and you look at yourself in the mirror, just like I get to do every morning, and remind myself who I am, that I've been bought with a price, that I'm standing here today And I get this smile on my face, not because it's fake, because let me tell you, I can smile in front of you, but it's not about how we, I I keep telling people, we cannot, the the world says, fake it until you make it. No, 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 you're not going to make it. If you're faking this, you're not going to make it. You got to be real with yourself. You got to understand and be real with each other. Where you get to read his word and you get to see his promises and you get to see what he has for you and it becomes real to you so that doesn't matter what happens in your life. This is the truth. And when my truth came, as I was sharing, I grew up in church. I knew all the stories. But at 15 years old, my world flipped. When I was told that when I came into this world, I was the result of fornication and adultery. The last of 25 kids because of an alcoholic father. You heard me, 25 kids. I was the result of that. That's not who I am today. I'm a new creation. Old things passed away. He makes everything new. My biological mom had hid her pregnancy until the day I was born when she gave birth to me up in the mountains of Estelini Nicaragua in a remote village. She gave birth to me under a tree and then threw me into an outhouse that was nearby. She then grabbed rocks that were nearby and threw them down this hole so that no one would find me. Bud God. See, we all have our Bud God moments. Bud God, who is rich in mercy, had a plan. A day before there were kids playing around this outhouse and one of them had grabbed a piece of wood that he was playing baseball with and threw it down this hole, which lodged itself from side to side, creating a bridge. Where I safely landed. No one knows how long I was down there, but until these kids came near to play again, only this time to hear me screaming from within this hole. One of them ran and got a hold of his mom. Mom couldn't believe what she was hearing. What do you mean there's a baby screaming down the outhouse? When she got there, she didn't know what to do but there was a man who happened to be passing by with a rope on his hand. He tied it around his waist and went down the outhouse. They pulled me and to their amazement, I still had the umbilical cord and the placenta connected. They rushed me to the hospital, which is a two and a half hour bus drive down that mountain to the city of Esteli. When I was taken there, the doctors, again, could not believe the story they were listening to. Listen, there were no broken bones, no brain damage, and not one rock touched me. When God says, no weapon formed against you will prosper, he does not exaggerate. There are things that get thrown our way and then there's God protecting us, that we're unaware of. The fact that you're breathing is him reminding you that he loves you. To the doctor's amazement, again, there was a perfect newborn baby boy. Through strange and, as you can imagine, word spread out very quickly. This was in the 80s, so although culturally we have a lot of children in Nicaragua, we still keep them. So my story was a shocker that someone, especially in a village, would do that. And so the word spread, Uh, they knew who my biological mom was because there was only two families that shared that outhouse. When she was confronted, the response was, why did you take him out? But she will also confess who the father was. So I ended up being adopted at the hospital by my aunt, who is my dad's, my biological dad's sister. She was a single mom, already had three children, papers. And in the natural, you'd say, this woman cannot have one more child, especially the doctors were trying to convince her, lady, you're poor. You don't even have a job because this was during the first civil war that Nicaragua was having. This makes no sense. Sound familiar? This makes no sense and you don't want this one. This is what she was told. You don't want this one. This one comes with lots of issues. Yet God knew that that was the woman that he was going to use, a single mom who made it up to sixth grade, who he, who he would use to engrave this inside the heart of this broken kid that came with lots of issues as of where you don't have them. And my mom began engraving his word, his truth, from an early age. I mean, I could not get candy until I would quote Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give me hope and a future. You know why she did that? Because although she made it only up to sixth grade, she knew that there was no degree, there was no psychology, there was no counseling, Unless the counseling leads to the counselor, it will not work. But she had this. This is all she knew. I mean, I wanted to bring my mom today because I wanted you guys to meet her. A single, short lady. Sweet as can be. But let me tell you, when that woman gets up, hell flees, Because the way she prays, here's the fruit of it. And so in the, in the natural, it made no sense. Lady, you're poor. Lady, you don't even have a husband. Lady, you don't even have a job. Yet God said, that's the one. See, so many times we put limits on ourselves. So many times we walk around with labels that society tells you, with labels that the world tells you, without us understanding that it's about what he says. So, my mom began teaching me the truth. So much that at the age of 15, yes, when my world flipped, what do you mean I was thrown in an outhouse? What do you mean I'm the last of 25 kids? What do you mean my dad, whom my sisters called uncle, what? He had the opportunity because then we immigrated to America at the age of three. My dad was already here when I was born, so when they told them, hey, there's one more, of course he said, no, not that one. He's not mine. So think about it. I already came not wanted in the natural. You know there are no mistakes in his kingdom. I don't believe in the word orphan because none of us are orphans. We were predestined to be his. He paid a price so that you and I can be here today. And so I had to get to the place where at 15th, in the middle of my brokenness, in the middle of my shattered heart, in the middle of all the questions that you can think of that a 15-year-old could have, get to the place where I began crying out to God. I began dealing with the suicidal thoughts. I began dealing with the natural things that you can imagine that I have to walk through. The hate. I hated my dad. I hated him because he had the opportunity to be a father when we immigrated to America, and yet he was a shadow in my life. I would sing in kids' choir, and I remember him sitting in the upstairs of the church we would attend, he was right there. But I never got an I love you. I never got an I'm proud of you. And I remember trying so hard to to get the main role for a kid's choir or a kid's drama, just so that maybe he could say, oh, that's my son. Well, I never got that. And so I wrestled with identity. I wrestled with who am I? I wrestled with wanting to be so loved and wanted and cherished without understanding that I was. That I have been bought with a price, but so many times our identity is found in what was done to us instead of what was done for us by Jesus giving his life and the truth of his sacrifice being engraved in us. That's how my teenage years were. And then I got to the place where, wait a minute, Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. We say this, but do we believe it? We know Ephesians. We know all the scriptures. See, it was never God's plan for me to be thrown in that outhouse. Listen to me. It's never God's plan to hurt us, to harm us. It's the choices of two broken individuals that led to that circumstance. And we always have to blame him for our mess up. He gave us specific instructions in Genesis, do not eat of the fruit. And what's the first thing we did? We ate of the fruit. And then there's consequences. But we always blame him. And I had to get to the place where it wasn't god's choice it was when i sat in that same rock that you're seeing right there and the lord had to begin to heal every area to recognize that he wanted a he had a plan and a purpose for my life that although my father and mother forsake me he received me but i had to believe it I had to allow him to come in and heal all those areas, all that brokenness inside. And as I'm sitting in that rock and looking, saying, you're right, this was never your plan, but you chose me. But you said, it pleases me to rescue you because I have a plan for you you may not see it, you may not understand it, but you need to trust me. See, I'm learning a whole new level of trust now, because we always say, oh, trust God, but do you know what trusting God is going to do? Trusting God is going to expose all the issues of our heart. That's what trusting God is going to do. Trusting God's going to show really what's in here, because we say trust, but do we really trust? Do we really allow him to speak his truth into our lives so that we can let go of every junk that's been done to us and stop living a life of a victim. See, I had to ask myself this very same question. When I was here, had a great job in Orange County, and in my 30s, the Lord says, hey, would you come back? Will you come back to this exact same location where the tree and the outhouse are? And would you come and set up a place of ministry here for teen moms all around the nation? And you begin to declare and do what was done for you on that cross, now in new lives. See, don't ever ask God what my plan is or what your plan is or what your purpose is because when he gives it to you, (laughs) then he's going to require of you now. Now would you do it? And that was my choice. I had to get to the place where I preached about allowing God to heal me. I preached about God not improvising my life. Now would you come back? And not just anywhere, but in this exact location. And minister that hope, that future. See, my story is not a sad story. It's a story of hope. It's a story of future. It's a story of purpose. But you have to align it all back to this. You have to align it all back to his truth, his plans for our lives. And when I sat in that rock, I asked him, so what does that look like? Because all I see are chickens and cows running all around here. And you're calling me back to a promised land that overflows with milk and honey, but I don't see it. Took me to Revelation 22.2, two, where it says, and the leaves of the tree and gave me the name of what this center should look like and what now the ministry will be called Tree of Life 84 and takes me to Revelation 22.2 where it says, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. See, every child, every mother, every person that I get to minister to will bring healing to a broken nation of Nicaragua which I'll get into those details right now. So if you see their fingerprints, the leaves represent us. And the 84 is because Psalms 40 verse 2 says, you pulled me out of a horrible pit. You set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He established what I'm called to fulfill. In 1984, when he pulled me out of that pit, and now he says, will you trust me? Will you let go of all the head knowledge and all the things that you've been taught so that now I can truly begin to use you in ways that you've never been used so that I can show you things that you've never seen in the nice comfort and the bubble that America was to me. See, that, that was his plan. I needed to come. This was my school, this was my training. Look at this, see everything, get to know the language so that now I can communicate. But it's not for you to stay here. Now I'm calling you to go live the life of abundance that Jesus promised us in a third world country without running water or electricity so that you can go and fulfill your purpose. See, abundance does not have a money signal. Abundance is what I discovered when I asked, where do I start? And he began showing me there are kids all around this abandoned land that now you begin to disciple. And I discovered that there were 10 elementary schools over my promised land that had never been visited, had never been reached. No one had gone in because it takes an ox card, three hours of walking, a horse ride. It takes us to get uncomfortable. But I discovered these kids that just like me, many of them have been abandoned by their parents up in the mountains and are being raised by their grandparents or aunts or uncles. And I began to declare his truth that there are more than conquerors, that they will accomplish greater things for him, began to engrave his word. Can we go through the next pictures? And let me tell you, that smile that you see, did not, you never saw that while I was here. Although it was a nice, comfortable life, I found my purpose and it was getting out. It was letting go of all of this so that I can discover the true life of abundance and I can begin to raise up a generation that's not gonna be defined by their circumstance. Yes, they're being raised without running water and electricity, guess what? There's a simplicity in that that now God gets to use because I get to remind them they're not filled with the technology and all the junk that we have. And I get to come in and declare his truth, his love. And I realized that I have discovered really, truly, a life of abundance when I let go of what I thought was important, of what I thought mattered. And so I began going in. I left three years ago and I always tell people I didn't start living until I left three years ago but in the middle of all this great vision, in the middle of all of this, you know, God gives you a big vision, but he doesn't give you the details. Because if he did, guess what? We'd all a Jonah, let's be honest. And I've said, you know what, Lord, if you would have told me all of this, what, that I've had to go through in three years, I don't know, I, I'm stubborn enough, where well, I'll tell you, I would have lasted three days in the belly, would have lasted longer. And that's what it's felt like because for, I don't know how much you know about Nicaragua, Nicaragua, but we're in a civil crisis right now. We've been in a civil crisis since April of this year, where once again, we had the Sandinistas who has been leading our nation for 40 years, the same president, all of a sudden and now began because the young generation has been questioning him and his authority and everything that he's doing, he began murdering. So we've had about 600 young adults, including children that were burned alive. And my heart has been broken again. And in the middle of all of that, I, had, I was scheduled to come to America in May. And since I got here, the Lord had not released me to go back. And let me tell you, I have cried, I have yelled, I have said some mean things to God. Because the hardest part was that I promised those kids that I'd be back in three weeks. And it's been six months. And the Lord said, I need you in a cave. I need you to take refuge in the shadow of my wings until the disaster passes. And that was not an encouraging word. Because although I understand that God wants to protect me, how many times do we not want his protection? Let's be honest. We want to do it our way, my way, when I want it, how I want it. And for six months, I've been fighting and wrestling and arguing with God. And he hasn't given me nothing but if you get on that plane, I tried leaving three times. The last time he said, you get on that plane and you're not going to come back. And it's not because he doesn't love me, it's because he loves me. that he had to say, you cannot go back. You've been teaching these kids that I am their father. You've been teaching them that I'm their provider. You've been teaching them that I am with them. Now you got to live it and they've got to live it. I'm protecting you and I'm protecting them. So stop it. Well, I was in the middle of wrestling, I finally gave up and I said fine and in that process I've been crying it's been the hardest season I've ever been and because let me tell you I checked out three years ago I let go of all of this I was done like I mentioned I started living until I left This was never part of that big vision you gave me. This doesn't make any sense. Why would you do this? And I realized, again, we're asking God the wrong questions. It's not about the why. It's about what do you want to do? And how do you want me to proceed? Because it should never revolve around It's about expanding his kingdom. His will be done. And so I began asking him, what's next? Because I can't go back. What's next? Again, don't ask him. And he said, let me tell you what's next. I need you to just like Abraham Give me back what I promised you. I need you to lay in that altar, that very same thing that I called you to fulfill for a season. Give it back. Ugh. And I have cried again and again and again And he said, this is what you're going to have to do. See, my first year in Nicaragua, I discovered all these children, and I discovered all this land. And I was donated 500 Bibles. And I said, how are we going to get them into every home, Lord? And I started doing something for Christmas that was called delivering Christmas baskets. 12, 19 hour days, but I got a Bible in every home. And the first year, I mean, it required you to get on ox cart, horses. It required me to get my feet swollen and dirty and ticks all over me. But I realized that was the best Christmas I have ever had. As I got to go into every village delivering them, And the first year, we had 317 salvations because I chose to say, you know what? I'm not gonna have a hot meal for Christmas. I'm gonna go give Jesus. And I went and told it on the mountain. And I brought them the greatest gift that I could give them, which I told them, I know that the the food is, it's a blessing because some of these kids, crackers and jam, they had never tried. A Coca-Cola bottle was their Christmas, the best Christmas gift. Because if you understood that it takes three hours to go down the mountain by the time they get to Esteli, they have no money left for their Coke or their treats. But the greatest message and the greatest gift I could give them And I got in and I began laying hands on people. And so for the last three years, I've been doing this. And I've been able to declare over and over and over on their life that I'm not their savior, that I'm not their provider, that I cannot meet every need, but that he can. And so in the middle of all of this season of being in a cave, and now you asking me back to give you the promise. He says, you get to go back, son, but you get to go back to prepare your transition back to America. So, this Wednesday, I get on a plane to Nicaragua. It's very, it is extremely dangerous. There's gonna be riots, because on Friday, is the day where, culturally, we commemorate the dead. and there's been tons of people that have been murdered. But God said, you get to go back, but you don't get to go to the mountain. No one knows I'm coming. Not those kids, not the leaders. You just get to go back and take care of some business that you left because I was only coming for three weeks, and rearranged some stuff to prepare you for the season of the wilderness. I've tried again, negotiating with God. I will be an hour and a half away from these kids, from the people, but I don't get to go because I need to go lay down my promise literally out there and say here you go i'm giving it back to you and i look through these pictures of the things that we've done and i want to show you this particular picture of i got to perform during christmas baskets last year the wedding ceremony of oscar and sandra oscar was the boy who threw the piece of wood down the outhouse and while I was giving out Christmas baskets, he said, I know you're swamped, but could you perform our, my wedding? And the lady in the green that you can see is the, her, the lady Roque, who was the one who found me and pulled me out. As I've gone through these pictures and the reason I'm sharing this is because I realized something although I am called to go and give back my promise, it doesn't mean that it's over. It means that he's calling me into a season of wilderness so that he can do some things in me. So that when I go back, he's preparing them and is preparing me. But that trust in him This is what trusting in him looks like. It's giving him back that very same thing that is the dearest to you. It's you saying, I'm convinced over and over and over again that you're not improvising my life, that you did choose me before the foundation of this world, that you did predestine me to be yours that I will do what you call me to do, even if it makes no sense. As I head back, and I move things from my place back to my cousins, and I look at my plans, my dreams, my desires, going you can break me because you can put me back together again I'm also going back to prepare how we can get the Christmas baskets to the families without me being there because Jesus did it he modeled for us what we need to do it's not about me and I've been discipling people for three years And he said, you need to start getting to the people through the disciples just the same way I did it. So yes, you get to go and you get to go lay it all down. But there's also a plan I will give you while you're laying it down. That's not going to look like what you want, but it's how I want to get it done. See, oftentimes, we think this journey of walking faith with the Lord is supposed to be pretty. No, it's supposed to be painful. Following him means laying down your life, laying down your plans, laying down your wants, to what he wants, being in his will requires you complete surrender. He's got it. He did it for me. When I couldn't do anything for myself, he rescued me. Now he says, I wanna rescue you again, and I'm gonna rescue your people. But I need you in a season of wilderness. To some of you, that's hard to listen to because the wilderness to me means America. because I found my promised land. I found the life of abundance out in those mountains, riding those horses and getting into 17 communities and bringing them the greatest message that's in us. See, there's a world out there that needs to hear what God's done in you And it's outside of these walls. It's your neighbors. It's the people immigrating from other countries. It's the broken people out there that need this message, that need to hear what God's done for you, even if it's painful, even if it's raw. They need to hear this real message of hope that in the midst of chaos all around us, there's a light that's in us that they need to see, they need to hear. But it's gonna cost you to be real. It's gonna cost you to let go of your wants. It's gonna cost you everything. But following him is the greatest, greatest reward for you and I. Being true disciples and doing his will, that's what it's all about. And my prayer for us this morning is that as I've shared, I wanna ask you as I close, what do you need to let go? what does god want to do with you and let me tell you do not give me the excuse of age you're breathing he wants you here he's not done but what is it what area of your life does he need to come in and do some realignment do some healing what have you been holding on to We need to choose to forgive, we need to choose to let go, and we need to choose to do his will above it all. So I don't know where you are, but wherever you're sitting, as I pray over you today, would you allow the Holy Spirit to show you, what you need to give him? What area of your life you're not trusting him? Would you allow him to come in just the same way I've allowed him over and over and over again to have full access to your life? So as we bow our heads, you speak to him. You say, here it is. Father, thank you. Thank you that it is because of your great love that we're here today. Lord, just as you have reminded us today, let it be a day where you know the stories of every person in this room. You've written it for them. I just ask that whatever area of their lives they need to give you, whatever area of their lives they need to surrender, would you reveal that to them in this very moment? Holy Spirit, you who are our provider and our truth, guide us this day to the truth of who you are. Minister to our hearts today as we give you back the life that you've given us so that we can freely freely give it back. We allow you, we give you full access into every area of our lives. Heal it, restore us, break us. But most importantly, we want to be used by you Let your will be done in our lives. Let your will be done in our homes. Let your will be done in every aspect of our lives. Today, we give you, once again, full control so that you can use us and do what pleases you with us. We accept, again, the challenge of being your disciple, and we don't take it for granted. Thank you that it pleases you to choose us. Thank you that you love us over and over again. Would we now be able to minister out of that deep love that you have given us? To our neighbors, to our community, to the people around us. In your name we pray. Amen.